0: Welcome to Flip Your Lid with Kim Honeycutt. Kim is a psychotherapist and executive director of ICU Talks, a mental health speaking ministry. This is a podcast about how to flip your lid and learning how to reconnect to who
1: you really are. Y'all are about to get rocked because I got a really good friend here today who is super smart. And part of that is because she just works hard to look at all aspects of a sense of self and she does such a good job of implementing that and teaching that and so we get to be honored to be a part of that today. Today you're going to hear from Sandra Weber and she is a wellness mentor and she empowers her clients to rebuild a mind body connection. Sandra has over a decade of experience in hands-on clinical body work and is now using that experience to assist her clients in reducing or preventing chronic pain through mind-body awareness. Sandra owns and operates integrative body work in Charlotte, North Carolina. When she's not working with clients in the treatment room, she hosts trainings for corporate and private groups providing actionable steps to rebuild the body-mind connection. Elevating clients' physical, mental, and emotional well-being is a foundation for the hashtag Relentless Mindset. So everyone, help me welcome my friend, Sandra Wilber.
0: Thank you so much for having me. It is great to be with you again.
1: Yes. So you just were a part of ICU Talks, our mental health speaking ministry, and got to share your testimony. And so that's what I love about being able to do the podcast with you, too, because that night was about your testimony. Uh This is about because you have a testimony, because you've conquered and overcome and are so resilient. And this is you get to share now like part of the intellectual and complete self of how you're able to overcome so much of your trauma and so much what you've been through so thank you for being here if you'll just jump in with telling us a little bit about what life event what experience flipped your lid and what measures did it take for you to reconnect to who God says you are
0: first of all I love the name of your podcast thank you because it's literally what we have to do Mm -hmm. to make changes that's right. We have to change our minds. So I know you picked it intentionally, but I, I love it. I really do. That's great. So for me, um, what flipped my lid, I was thinking about that and thinking of the title of your podcast. And it wasn't like a, a specific event or a specific person, like, you know, a mentor or anything. Mm. For me, it was honestly that biblical childlike faith. Mm. Because when I was young, I. I understood enough through the prodding and leading of the Holy Spirit to realize what I what I saw going on around me was not what I saw in here.
2: Mm.
0: So, but coming from the culture that I did with my family are from the Kentucky Tennessee tri state area, so very traditional, um, fundamentally minded Baptist and um, several different denominations, but a certain style of family culture came mm-hmm. with that. But um, of course, anything can be pathologized depending on how far you take it on the spectrum one way or the other. So I just, as a child, I just started looking around at my environment and I started comparing it to what I thought God wanted our relationships to look like. And I think I've always been a realist. That's my default setting. I I don't get very emotional. Again, my testimony with the other talk was, yeah, I learned to control that quickly But I began to look around and see what I saw didn't match up to what I thought it should be. And I just came to my own conclusion at an early age that I'm going to be patient because I cannot change my environment. And when I get old enough to make my decisions, the people that are going to surround me are going to be more of a biblical view of friendship, relationship, love, support, grace, all those things. Wow. So that's really what it was from a, a child, that childlike faith and, and looking forward into the future, like I shared at that testimony, was have, having partners in my life and people around me that, that brought me to that safe, that safe place, that safe haven. Yeah, it's just
1: amazing to talk to people who, as a child, made a decision. And that's so much of what you do today is about being actionable. But well, You made a decision that I can't control this, but I will control Right. Who's around me later. And, and that you just, you were hanging on to that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And it's it, like, and it still, it still guides me every day because I always tell my clients, we're always, I'm always that little girl on the inside. Right. You sure. know, Absolutely. we're always that little child on the inside
2: mm-hmm.
0: and, you know, situations, stories, feelings, emotions, how I handle things can pop up at any time, but I know what's real and I know what's solid and I know what can't mm-hmm. change. So no matter what circumstances might change around me, what people may come into my life through networking or a business relationship or whatever, if it goes awry, I just center myself and I go back to what I know is truth. And that's how I proceed. Yeah, that's amazing. So you're you're touching on my
1: next question, but I'm going to ask it because it's in a little different way. Who were you before your innocence was taken away?
0: Um... I I was and and still am a very simply minded person I love simple things I love music I love being outside and I love peace Mm. that was one of the you know when when I was a teenager my mom used to worry about me I would sit outside in the swing with no book obviously with no phone back then um and just sit there and that's that that's me I just Mm. I desire peace. I, I want internal peace. I want everybody around me to have peace right and that's that's my goal. That's what I push for.
1: Wow, so peace is the is it, that's your center right so so I mean it's interesting because you know, you and I both love talking about the vagus nerve and autonomic nervous system and absolutely you know, there's not a lot of people I can talk about that with so I get so excited. you know and just the idea of being able to being on the swing in the backyard. And finding your way to get in ventral vagal, all right? And I know you probably didn't have the words back then about vagus nerve and autonomic nervous system, but that you found your way to get there in the middle of chaos. Yes. And so can you tell a little bit about your journey of going from not knowing that you were controlling your vagus nerve, getting in ventral vagal, finding your way to have internal control, and then now being a person who learned it and teaches it? Can you give us a little bit about that journey?
0: Yep. So, as a child, like I said, you know, my family culture was—they um, were coal miners. My grandfather, my family—they So they had a hard life, and that—that mm-hmm. that is a precursor to how they were presenting themselves into the world. And I had to learn how to, you know, act in that culture. Um, and I learned quickly. I had an older sister. We're different on many, in many levels. I learned if I monitored my behavior in my speech that I wouldn't get fussed at or you know, in trouble. Mm-hmm. So I learned by force of nature where I was to control my breathing. Wow. So I, I didn't know that that's what I was doing in, in the vagus nerve mindset in, in controlling that, but I learned to control my breathing and control my response on my face um, and to keep myself calm under any circumstance. Mm. So that was how I learned how to manage my situation and then getting into body work. Um, as a massage therapist, the reason I got into body work was more for the athletic side, like helping people, you know, learn to take care of their bodies, learn how to not have pain, learn how to get out of pain. That was my first impulse towards manual therapy. But as soon as I got into it, I learned very quickly that people were coming to me um, and I was dealing with mental and emotional issues expressions so the mm. physical expression of mental and emotional sometimes pathology or just life experience right so then I realized okay and with, with a big part of what I do is craniosacral therapy are you familiar with that
1: I am but I love you to talk about that because okay. religiously we get taught to not be a part of something like that yeah yeah right so I'd love for you with this audience to elaborate on the beauty of craniosacral sacral.
0: Yes, so it is down to educating yourself because craniosacral therapy has absolutely nothing to do with Reiki and energy work. Right. Is there energy involved? Of course, because we are all energetic beings. Right. So, and that is one part of being a good craniosacral therapist is the actual provider being mm-hmm. able to stay calm.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, one of my instructors was working on one of the founders of this work and he was trying to do a certain manipulation or move or whatever. He was like, I just can't, you know, get myself there. And he was like, are you stressed? Are you, are you calm? Like if you're not calm, you can't mm. calm me down. Wow. So again, with the, one of the powerful things that I'm, that I'm empowered by is that like I said in, in the talk with you a few weeks ago, my adaptation is now my superpower. Like mm. my, I've been doing this for over a decade. Probably 80% of my clients always say when they're finished with their first couple sessions, I've never fallen asleep in a massage. I'm hyper stressed out. I'm type A. I never imagined I would fall asleep and snore while getting while someone's touching me. Right. And part of that work is me being able to stay calm. But to explain craniosacral therapy has nothing to do with Reiki, nothing to do with energy work, nothing to do with Mother Earth coming over you and healing you. Absolutely, 100%, nothing to do with that. If you can imagine your, your, your brain, your skull, your spinal column, you've probably heard cerebrospinal fluid. So your fluid that prote- protects and houses your brain and spinal column has a flow to it, just like your blood has a flow, just like your lymphatic system has a flow, but it doesn't have a pump. So that being the case, it's supposed to follow along with the blood flow, human movement, balance, all of that well when we have restriction when we're mad and these muscles get really tight when we clench our jaw and this gets super tight we have tmj and we have ringing of the ears we have headache pain or eye pain because of all the tension that's not just superficial that's not just here that goes inside here and then you add in concussions or you add in um, a traumatic birth experience right Um, we see the babies with the little helmets on all the time Craniosacral therapy is designed to help all of that function better. What I'm doing, and and again, because I've had so many years of experience, I know what someone's body should feel like, Mm. like where the the skull should be sitting, where the neck should be sitting. And so when I'm working through with them, um, I'm holding a, a position until I can feel the body relax. If they have extreme forward head posture, I'm kind of tractioning that head back so that it takes the pressure off the posterior parts of the brain, the skull, mm. where the vagus nerve comes out. I have a really unique opportunity to physically be with people and be touching where their vagus nerve comes out. Wow. And i wow. own these moms. And I and it's I get chill bumps almost every day because when I'm working with someone and I'm able to manually release um, locally, it has an immediate effect on their nervous system. Mm. And I'll, if their body's laying on the table here, I'll see their body kind of drop into the table because it relaxes that nervous system. And all that fluid flows, releases and relaxes the muscles and the, the ligaments of the thigh, And it just puts that body into, into that. Just, they're searching so diligently for they can't get because the average person doesn't know that their SCM is contributing to their biggest nerve issues because it's mm-hmm. so tight here. So Mm -hmm. I encourage everyone, I encourage people, newborns, moms right after delivery. If you have a car accident, everybody should. But for especially those big time trauma situations, you need to get craniosacral therapy. It is one of the best things I can recommend for people.
1: You know, I I just want to just affirm that because some of the people I work with that have the hardest time doing trauma work with me, It's because they don't have a big trauma to point to. It's not a divorce. It's not a car accident. But it is life on life's terms. It is going to school and having some boy look at you and say, you shouldn't eat that much. Like people think that's not a big deal, but you hold that in your body. I would recommend this for anyone. And what I love about you is that you're that safe person. Mm -hmm. Because I will tell you, there are very few people I will let touch me. And there's good reason yes. for that. And so for people to be able to because you know you're you're attracting people who have bodies have been traumatized, but most likely they've been emotionally, spiritually, and physically traumatized. And if you're not that safe person, nothing happens.
0: Right. And that's the physical part of this whole equation is what is most often left out. And I've said before, you know, religion has done a disservice to people because they they so put the emphasis on spirituality mm-hmm. and not the body. And then Western medicine took, takes out the soul and the emotion and just looks at the systems. Both of them are great. We need both of them. But we can't operate in different planes because our bodies don't do that. If we don't have one or the other, we're dead. I mean, so that mean that right there. That approach. The physical part is left out so much, and when you're getting body work, I talk about this all the time because when people are stressed, you know, you can tell yourself, and I use this example: When is the last time your partner told you to calm down? That it worked. <laughs> it doesn't work when you tell yourself that <laughs> never, either. Never. 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 It doesn't work. It <laughs> makes everything worse. So when yeah. your body's giving you these symptoms and these signals and this communication. When my neck is constantly an issue, when I have these injuries I can't get over, when no doctor or anyone can tell me what's wrong. It's your body's only method of communication via a symptom to let you know I'm not safe. So even when you start going on this healing journey and you're getting the therapy like with you that absolutely people need Mm -hmm. to to address the physical body only will... Make your work go quicker right? because we're telling the actual physical body, oh, no, no, hey, hey, you're safe. And we're practicing allowing the body to be safe because mm-hmm. I can tell myself over and over I'm safe. But if I don't feel it here, literally right. in these spots and, you know, getting into the, the core, the gut, the pelvic floor, when mm-hmm. I work on a new client, I can tell almost every time. And, of course, I don't ask until a couple sessions. They, they usually end up sharing because that's right. the power of a touch. It's okay. very um, healing and very opening, right. literally and figuratively. Mm. But um, when I'm doing range of motion techniques with the leg or doing different things on the leg, feet, um, hips, I can tell that there's been some sexual trauma. Mm. And that is perceived mm. or literal. It doesn't yeah, have to sure. be one or the other. Sure. And there's that holding, there's that gripping of the pelvic floor that lets me know there's something more here than just I sit at a desk eight hours a day. And so that's where I start trying to build that rapport with that person that I can, like I said, usually they end up telling me and mm-hmm. then I refer them out to someone like you because mm-hmm. we got to have both.
1: Right. Well, I'll just love, love, love what you're you're saying. And you're saying it so well and just knowing like if I think if you are a confident psychotherapist, psychologist, psychiatrist, you are you're in I' was gonna say cahoots but there's a, probably a better way of saying it but you're you're working in conjunction partnership. With, you're in a partnership thank you and I like mm-hmm. a partnership with someone like you because it is it is all of us it is it is mental, it is physical, it is spiritual and our bodies keep the score right brilliant book and because and, our body has perfect memory and so yep oh look that's amazing so that's a great book it's not the easiest read but it's, it's worth the time to sit still with it and to absorb the absolute truth in that tell me the main thing because i know you're already so educated what's the main thing you got from the body keep score
0: It's almost like what I already knew. It just gave Mm. me so much more information about it. Yeah. You know, the mental, physical, emotional is inseparable. Mm -hmm. We have to address it. Right. I mean, what are you doing for... We know, I mean, again, as Christians, we're praying. We are, you know, um, seeking God's face. We're doing all those spiritual things. What are you doing to your literal body, Mm -hmm. helping it to calm down? Mm -hmm. It's not, you know, again... With my family's culture and belief system, they just think yoga is horrible. You're going to be oppressed or possessed. Right. So don't pick yoga. Pick intentional breathing. Right. Or assisted stretching. You know, whatever it is that makes you feel comfortable. But you have to do something to this thing. There Mm was a um, a meme I saw the other day. I forgot what the story was. But basically, God said, sit down, take a nap, and have a snack you know (laughs) one of the parables in the bible so we have to address this physical being and that's my specialty so getting people to understand that and their body keeps the score it's Mm -hmm. and I recommend my clients to go listen to the youtube videos because most people don't have the time to read the book or the interest to sit for that long yeah that's very true but if you can pick up one or two things of like you know like your book you connect Mm -hmm. with one or two things from your story Mm -hmm. and you can you can see an avenue to where Whatever happened, you know, like with my people, I can give you fifty things you could do with your body tonight. Try one of them. Yeah, but try something. Right. Because if you go to lay down in bed and expect your body to go to sleep at the the cortisol level and the tension level that you're running at, mm-hmm. there's no wonder you can't go to sleep. Absolutely. So we have to negotiate with our body, especially if we're in that severe healing and trauma recovery phase. Mm-hmm. You know, all bets are off with everybody else's stuff. We need to take a hot bath. We need to body brush. We need to do some gentle yoga or stretching, Mm -hmm. Um, some guided meditation. I teach my clients how to do their own anterior neck release. It's on my YouTube channel. Mm. So learn something tactile to -hmm. this biological being that can help you with all the other things you're putting so much effort into. Well, that's another thing
1: I want everybody to hear from you is, for some of us, we're not going to let someone touch us, but I'll watch, your, I'll watch your YouTube video. You're so generous with your podcast and the YouTube and all the things you're doing and Instagram. You're so generous with your knowledge. And to start there with other people, they can't sit and watch it, but they can come be touched by you. Mm-hmm. Like and yeah. you, you, I mean, again, you're, it's just you have a panoramic view of all of it, and you've provided different avenues for people. Yes. So well, because we're, we're hurting and we get comfortable in that. We believe safety is being disconnected. We, we don't even know our neck hurts. We don't even know there's a choice to go get better because we're so comfortable with with being in
0: pain. And the way I describe that to people and make them understand it is when you get dressed in the morning, you feel yourself put your clothes on, but you do not feel your clothes on you all day. Right. Your brain knows that that's not important. I can disassociate it from that because if your nervous system had to be aware of your clothes touching every inch of your body, it'd drive you nuts. Very much. Well, especially when we're in, you know, like, if, if your family situation isn't going great, your body's constantly being told through your eye gate, through your ear gate, through the energy in the room, um, all, all those senses, I'm not safe. So you know, if I'm, if I'm willing to stay in that situation and work through it, I have to intentionally take time away from that environment and calm my physical being down mm. so that I have the capacity to go back into it, renewed, and be able to handle it and make decisions and logically think because we can't logically think when we're in fight or flight. And right. you're exactly right. I have a, several clients that come to me and say, I don't like massage, but I've got to get help for my neck and that right. I have a program for that. I have a program where I will just do muscle testing um, they'll usually let me touch their neck or something. Mm-hmm. If that's what's hurting mm-hmm. with their clothes on right. and I'll do muscle testing, figure out what muscles are weak, what muscles are compensating for it. Cause that dynamics always there. I'll teach them rebalancing techniques and then I'll come back in a couple of days. I'll check their balancing techniques, add more to it. But what always happens is once they come back into my room, once they've met me, once they let me work on their neck a little bit, they're like, I think I might want to try just an upper body
1: massage. Yes, yeah, great. So
0: I'm like, okay, great. So we'll yeah. just do upper body, back, neck, and shoulders.
1: Right. And because then again, it goes back to you're, you're centered, you're connected to self. Otherwise, they, you wouldn't have that evidence in your life. Yeah. That wouldn't be happening. So I was taught, and I think this is true, people mishear this, that 80% of our autoimmune or disorders or physical ailments are psychosomatic, but the psychosomatic means that it first presented as trauma and was never released. And do you agree with that?
0: 100%. And because, so again, because I've had so many years of experience, I can start comparing clients Mm -hmm. that come in. And so this client comes in, I'll give you two examples or two people as an example. I had two moms, almost the exact same body type. They both had four kids They were both about 50 pounds overweight. Both had all kids by C-section. Both were having severe um, SI joint pain, low back pain, debilitating. Mm -hmm. So um, one of them, you know, took everything that I was saying, because I always get into this verbiage with them. Well, it's not just physical. There's usually always something else there. And I was talking about, you know, muscles compensating and you're just all the things I'm talking about. And so this, the one client said, I'm a compensator for my family. Mm. So like, I'm doing everything for my boys. I'm doing everything in the house. I'm expecting nothing of my husband. Mm. I have to change that or I'm never going to get better. And I didn't have to have that conversation with her. I was explaining her body to her, but I was, you know, sticking in a little bit here and right. there.
2: Right.
0: The same thing was going on in the other, other client's family. And I eventually, like, I remember specifically because I said do packages of six and you get a discount. She was at the end of her second package and I was trying to teach the physical techniques to help recover and she wouldn't do anything I asked her. I'm like, if you don't do and I, I, I make it as easy as possible. I regress right. it back to the easiest thing. It's not difficult, little things to do, and she wouldn't do any of them. And this is a question I want to ask you in a little bit, mm. but um, she was choosing to, to stay in that. Way her body was presenting almost as a um, a repercussion for her being the compensation in her family. I'm doing all this for you. I'm hurting, and I want you to see that maybe. I'm not sure. Oh, you're spot but. on. You are, you are <laughs> yeah. so brilliant. So the brilliant. other lady, She came, She the one that did everything I asked her, made that connection of her body into her family. She came back several months later and told me that I saved her marriage. Now, I don't believe that because she did the work, right. but putting together the two, um, I 100% believe that our physical ailments, obviously, this is what I tell people, you know, our most people's chronic pain is not from a fall down the stairs. It's not from an, uh, an injury, a sports injury. It's not an acute injury. Mm. It is not using our bodies properly over time. And- the trauma part and mm-hmm. the psychosomatic part of staying in that fight or flight, never being able to get into rest and digest. Right. Because if you were, if you were a healthy mind, body, spirit, you could sustain an injury or have a fall and you'd hurt for a couple of days, recover it, and be done with it.
2: Right. But when
0: your cortisol is up so high, you have no ability of the cells to heal, mm-hmm. then you keep that injury and you have a chronic pain from now on.
1: Yeah, so, absolutely. Yes, I
0: completely agree.
1: Absolutely. And, and I see this with, with a lot of people. I mean, this crosses gender, race, but I do see it more with women that we get so, and it's gender scripting, we get so shamed about our own emotional needs as a child that we do for others about their needs because ours are unfulfilled and that becomes identity and it actually becomes the cover-up of what we really need. And so when someone gives you a suggestion of like, this is what you can do now that you're in pain, the person cannot take that in because it goes against what they've known the longest. And by now they're so bitter and angry, they want someone else to notice that they're hurting and they want someone else to fix it. Yes, 100%. Yes. And it is so painful. And until we stop gender scripting, until we stop, we get the shame off of the fact that God had you born into this world with emotional and physical needs. Until we stop doing that, you're going to be a really busy woman.
0: Yeah, because <laughs> human nature is, is what mm-hmm. it is. And, you know, is. sin will always be with us until the day. Right. But um, that's what I try to tell my clients is, if you don't want to go through a midlife crisis, develop your own individual soul authority. Right. Develop your identity.
1: Mm-hmm. Have and your identity, mm-hmm.
0: the idea of that is, if everything was stripped away from you, if your role as a mother was stripped away, if your husband is stripped away, if your job was stripped away, what's left?
1: Mm.
0: That's who you are.
1: Right. That's right. Because
0: people have had all of those things stripped away. Yeah. And obviously that's going to take a while to recover from. Mm-hmm. But we have examples of people that have recovered from that. Right. And I guarantee you they had a very deep sense of self. And while they'll have to live with the heartache of those things for the rest of their life, they still can participate in daily life on a happier, more joyful, more fulfilling level than someone that if they lose all those things, their identity wouldn't with them. And that's I mean, I deal with that but every year, every year when school goes back in session on a normal year. On a normal year. <laughs> when school goes back in session. I have a flood of moms just yeah. been out of shape Wow! because their identity walked off. Right. And now what do I do? Who am I? Right. You know? So again, you know, I did have, when I was, before I was married, I did have one friend that was a friend of ours that was married first, had kids first. And she told me, if you want to be that mom that you want to, that you desire to be, you want to have a happy marriage, take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. first and to, and again i've changed so many things generationally from my past and history with with how i decided to live and be in the world so mm-hmm. i took that to heart because i like i like to go to movies by myself i'm a loner really i i'm, I'm definitely an extroverted introvert mm-hmm. i like heard. to go to movies by myself i like to go to the mall by myself and so she's like keep doing that mm-hmm. you have to keep doing the things that make you you So that you don't become that bitter, angry, worn out person. And then once the kids are gone, you completely lose yourself. Mm -hmm. And men too, because they can fall into that category of just the provider or just there for one thing, you know, and especially with men, if they came up in a very oppressive, you know, their father was very oppressive leadership. They don't have much of an identity without his approval so they right. may be seeking their wife's approval all the time and i have mm-hmm. to make more money and i have to mm-hmm. have a bigger house if i don't have those things i'm not the man that i should be so it goes for them as, as it, well just like you said it, it if if there's no gender difference race difference mm-hmm. this is a human human it's capacity a human, issue yeah,
1: absolutely 100% right yeah and so in, in that when you're having people come in cuz i i think that one of the main things i'm hearing you talk about is, is action right that that is how the unthinkable happening to people, those who get to a different place with it, right? And we'll always grieve, but when you get to a different place, some they've, they've taken their pain, it's become action in some way.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that you're helping free up their body so they'll know the creative thing to do. They'll know the next thing to right. do. Right.
0: Yeah. And it's, again, it is so simple. I tell everybody, pick the low-hanging fruit. The easiest thing possible, um, I was talking to someone the other day and it was a younger person. They were going through a very difficult time. And I, you know, I was like, make your goal to get up and fix your hair one day. You know, mm-hmm. just something little to tell your body, I love you and I appreciate you. And that's another thing is I want to encourage people because, again, we, we've got to have Western medicine. Obviously, we have to have those things to help in that severe situation. But what they can't see is the precursors to a lot of things. They can't see the foresight of what you may have is going to turn into something else. Mm. So, you know, being able to, you know, that you're going through a situation, but be able to carve out a little bit of time to do something to tell this physical being, I'm okay, yeah. is the goal. Whatever that looks like, it mm. may be I'm going to go take a walk by myself. It, it's literally getting this, this thing, this little jar of clay away from this situation. I mean, there are studies that show people in a hospital, if their bed is simply facing a window mm. that sees grass or trees, they heal quicker. Wow. And that's, that is God's design. There's, right. there's people get so scared of the word energy but God made the world right. with a frequency. The ocean has a frequency. Mm-hmm. Mother Nature and, and trees and the forest has frequencies that literally help our bodies heal.
1: Right. Absolutely.
0: So if you're an outdoors person, get out, I know you're you're a runner. I'm a runner, right, i a very slow runner. <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome. But you know, being outside is so helpful. So mm-hmm. it's just yeah, it's that constant reminder to, to find some things in because disassociation is huge, right. and disassociation not only from the problem, the trauma, the history, the past, disassociation from this thing.
1: Right. Because right. and
0: then the way I see that play out is people come; they'll either come on their own accord because they hurt so bad, or they'll have a family member buy them a gift certificate and they're like, they told me I had to come," kind of a thing. But they'll get in the room. I'll have, they're they with the massage, but when I start, they are chatty, Kathy's. Mm-hmm. They are just chatting it up and laughing. This is, it's always the same paradigm. Laughing really loud at things that aren't that funny. And I always see this connection is they don't want to think about their body.
2: Mm-hmm. They want
0: me to do the massage. They want to talk mm-hmm. the whole time and they don't think about anything. And mm-hmm. I'm, again, I'm a realist and I can, I have the ability and I'm thankful that I can select my client base at this point. And I'm like, um, I want you to get the most out of this service. So I want you to take a couple deep breaths. Right. And I don't want you to talk anymore. Yeah. I'm not your therapist. (laughs) Right. That's right. That's right. So I want you to just receive. And Mm -hmm. that's so hard for people. Mm -hmm. It's so hard for them to be still and especially receive touch. Because Mm -hmm. then everything in their being is focused on them. Right. Because out in the world and their family and their home and their job, everything is outside of them Mm -hmm. so that's one of the huge benefits of body work is it it forces you to become introspective right um one of the one of my educators or instructors he to get people to understand this especially because there's a pressure issue like i want deep tissue some people can't even feel they're so dysregulated disassociated and probably taking nerve blockers and muscle relaxers. Yeah, again, there's time and place for all of that, but mm. they literally cannot feel. Their nerve endings are different. Mm-hmm. So one of, um, one of my instructors said, when when you have a person that you know is in that heightened state, say, I'm going to place my hand on your back and I just want you to, I want to ask if you can tell me where I'm touching mm. and just touch somewhere on their back and see if they can tell you. And a lot of times they don't even they're like, oh, are you touching me yet? Wow. They're that so, disassociated. Yeah. So that's another thing is, you know, this stuff takes practice, especially if you've had severe trauma and again, Mm -hmm. perceived or real, because the body associates them as both, but it takes practice Mm -hmm. to get calm if you've been up here for a long time. So um, with a new client, they'll come in and they'll talk a little bit through the session and they'll move and they'll squirm and, you know, there's different things. And then if they do keep coming back, by the second or third session, again, because they know that's a safe space, they're used to the room, they're used to me, they're actually coming back because they want to. Within 10-15 minutes, they're asleep.
1: That that is so fascinating.
0: But they practiced it. Right. You have to practice. It doesn't happen overnight.
1: Right. right. And even even that I want to speak into because you were up calm earlier, and a lot of people are very much in the fight mode or they're in sleep. And so and I call people out, and some people are really uncomfortable with it. My my patients, because they're they're shaking their leg, they're doing something like, "Do you know you're shaking your leg?" And they don't, they don't. So, but the same is true for people who are really who look really really calm, and what we call resting bitch face, which I think is a horrible term. Everybody, it's just another way of putting women down. And what you're actually talking about is someone who's in trauma, and so their facial expressions are on lockdown because it's part of your dorsal vagal. And so a lot of people who look calm are really frozen. Like They've yes. gone through life robotically. And so you see it streams, right? That someone's really, really like this and they're constantly moving. They can't sit still they, whether at home or in your office. And other people who
0: seem very relaxed, and like they handle things really well and they're not okay. An example of that is, so when someone gets on my massage table, I have them start face down and, um, I'm, I'm, I'm deducing just by how their body is presenting to me and, and doing things already when I walk into the room. And so, um, so for example, if you're watching this, like if this is the massage table and like this is their head, this is their legs, mm-hmm. typically a person would lay down, they'd have space because, you know, if you look at a skeleton, the skeleton's legs aren't locked together. Right. So if they lay down, there's a bolster here for their their legs. They usually lay down, there's like some space there. With some people, as soon as I walk in,
1: uh-huh. legs yeah. are
0: locked down.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And
0: then I'll say, because I understand the pelvic floor, if we can just get those femurs away from each other, we'll open the pelvic floor a little bit. That'll mm-hmm. help the back relax a little bit. So I'll ask them, and I'll say that. I was like, just, so you know, they're, they're covered right. up and everything. And so I'll say, just take your feet shoulder width apart. That'll help the low back relax a little bit more. And so their legs are here, and they'll do this. Yeah. And so I'll say a little bit more and it's like not happening. Right. And so then when I get down to their legs, I'll, you know, that this time we're 30 minutes in, I've done their back, their neck, they're super more relaxed. And so I'll go to, and I can't work on their whole leg with it like this. So I'll, you know, uncover their leg and I'll start to kind of pull their leg towards me a little bit so I can mm-hmm. get to the whole calf.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Not budging. And so I mm-hmm. leave it alone. Absolutely. I just work where they are. Absolutely. Um, so that is a definite example of someone that mm-hmm. may look in control, yeah, that's a great but if they are literally frozen. Those people usually end up with frozen shoulder.
1: Oh, interesting.
0: A lot of times the chronic pain that you have, whatever word you describe that pain with, frozen shoulder, I feel um, a shocking pain. I feel a, um, a pain just going everywhere. Whatever word you use and you subconsciously choose, I've seen so many times be directly associated with the, the trauma that they're in mm-hmm. or their relationship that they're in. So really think about that. When you're thinking about how your pain feels to you and your body, I have a jabbing pain. Mm-hmm. I have a sharp pain. I feel hot. You know, Those mm-hmm. are sensations that mean several different things. But yes, the body presents itself on mm-hmm. the table, a lot of times, with that psycho emotional pathology in right. a physical expression.
1: It's absolutely fascinating. You know, children, a lot of times their trauma shows up with stomach problems. And I'm always shocked when people my age come in and they found some doctor in their kid that called it for what it was, which was trauma. But it's rare. But I'll, I'll hear it occasionally that my age and older, I think people are just more. Um, aware and, and and just have more knowledge now and life experience about neuroscience and trauma being mm-hmm. trapped in the body. But it really does it'll show up in your stomach as a child. And I think as we get older it it becomes autoimmune, it becomes frozen shoulder, it becomes a plethora of other things. Yes. That they go from doctor to doctor to doctor to doctor and no relief.
0: And so the way I start trying to get people to make those connections so they realize they have to work on their physical body is when you become stressed and you're not breathing correctly, we breathe up here. We use these accessory muscles to pick up the ribs because our gut, our, our belly, we're, we're clenching. Our mm-hmm. diaphragm is tight. We usually clench our, our rear end. We clench our mm-hmm. butt. <laughs> and that bottom of the pelvic floor becomes tight. When, so if, it, if you can imagine this is the bottom of my rib cage and this is my pelvic floor, the base of your trunk. When we breathe, we're supposed to have this action going on. And this action out the side. Mm -hmm. And when we breathe correctly, this is what's going on. And imagine all of your organs on the inside of your belly. They should be doing like this. Mm. Breathing should be an internal massage for your body. So when I become restricted in my pelvic floor, it's super tight. Mm. My diaphragm is super tight. I'm literally having to pick up my trunk to get a breath in. Everything in between that diaphragm and that pelvic floor is on lockdown. We have to have human movement to massage our body, to get the lymphatic system working, to help that detox process, Mm. to help all the functions of all those, every single organ. It has to have movement. We were created to be a moving being at all times. When that restriction, starting as a child, if they're frozen and tight and locked down Mm. out of fear, none of the organs can function correctly. You can't get the nutrients to the body that you need. So you're not going to even be growing well. So mm-hmm. stunted growth, other, you know, when, when we're not breathing correctly, you don't have the correct processes going on in the breath of right. any of it. Right. So, you know, with, with me, um, especially with women, C-section recovery, if they had a traumatic mm-hmm. delivery um that they didn't get help for they just had to deliver the baby's okay they're not okay up here if they almost died or the baby almost died or they didn't plan to have a c-section and that again mm. is a shame factor mm. in the world um then they have this scar now they did they had a surgery after they had a baby i mean it's just so much mm. i teach them how to do their own abdominal massage because oh. they come out of out of having that baby and they, they disassociate with their stomach They are angry sometimes or they hate the scar or the scar may have gotten infected and they don't want to touch it. They don't want to look at it. They cover up their self all the time. They don't want their husband to touch them anymore. Mm. There's so many things that go on there. And so again, while they're talking to you about that and how to handle it and word it and frame it, I teach them how to start to touch it again, how Mm. to work with that scar tissue Mm. and by you, by choice, using your palpation skills. Touching your own body, number one, you're releasing the physical capacity of scar tissue and helping move the body and the organs and all that flow. But by your your intentional choice to come in contact with yourself, you promote all of that healing wow. to happen so much faster.
1: Wow, that's powerful. That's really powerful. And so, and with that, we touched on this a little bit earlier. You put a quote on Facebook the other day. Probably also on your Instagram page. I want to review that real quick. I thought it was very powerful. The autonomic and compulsive regard for the emotional needs of others while ignoring your own is a major risk factor for disease. This automatic and rigid identification with duty, role, and responsibility rather than the needs of the self is a second major risk factor for chronic illness. It's huge. Wow, I mean, a powerful quote.
0: Is such a powerful quote. And again, I have to do. I have to put this stuff out there because I need my clients to make the connection.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Because I cannot fix them. I can't heal them. I can make them feel a little better in the session. But what they're coming to me for, usually with a chronic issue, especially like I said, because when I start touching people, it's like they just start sharing right. stuff. Right. And so we, you know, we obviously we were taught just to be listeners. We're not therapists, but. Usually at the end of the session, what I end up doing is saying, you know, those things that you shared with me are directly related to how your body is communicating to you. Mm-hmm. And if we don't make those connections, we will stay in chronic pain. Mm-hmm. And you can see this, um, several of the other authors that I read, they, they get out of the traditional Western medicine and want to go into like, you know, functional medicine or some other brand of or style of medicine so, they go to affluent areas where people can afford to pay for coverage outside of healthcare and they think they'll do really well and heal their patients because they're all on board. They're doing yoga, they're doing the workouts, they're eating the protein shakes and all the good healthy food. And they get there and they get the people in the office and they give them everything they have in their toolkit and they still don't get better. And it's mm. because their homes are toxic. Right. So, if your body is walking into a situation on a day to day basis, where it is not safe, your, your reptilian, we, we compare mm-hmm. it to a reptilian or predator detection system that was God-given, mm-hmm. will detect, I'm not safe, this is not right, mm-hmm. and I'm going to tell you through symptoms. Right, that's true. So we have to be empowered to say, you can't talk to me like that. That's disrespectful. Mm-hmm. You can't talk to the kids like that. You mm-hmm. can't say that to our daughter. Mm-hmm. We have to become empowered to see ourselves as that created autonomous soul mm-hmm. that deserves respect and care from everyone around us. Right. And I've had a I've had a philosophy in my life since I was a child. I have no time for joy robbers.
1: Yeah, that's great. I don't. Yeah, yeah, it's true. You know, but you are giving yourself permission, despite what you've been through, or because of what you've been through, that you don't you fought too hard for it. You don't want it
0: my being isn't worthy of your grace, kindness, and care, I don't have time for that, Yeah, amen. but so many people, and it's it, it's like an addiction, mm-hmm. and this is another thing I was going to talk to you about, but being addicted to those circumstances, and how to communicate with people, that they have to break those cycles of addictions to those relationships, and and it's just so hard, because people are stuck in situations, and this is you know, I have t- I have a 20-year-old daughter and a 17-year-old son. Mm. So these topics are on my mind all the time because I've got it on my heart's desire is to get them, you know, if they want to be married one day, to make sure they pick the right partner. And I tell them all the time, the second most important decision you will make is who you, deter- who you decide to partner with on this earth. The first one being relationship with God. Mm-hmm. So you have to be very... Cognizant of who you agree to partner with, is this a person that will always have your best interests at heart? Willing to negotiate with you? because t- putting two humans together, you're going to have problems. Right. But are we willing to negotiate? Do we agree on all the big things right away? Do I see you as an individual, you know, worthy of everything good and positive in the world, and I w- will I work with you to help you get that, and vice versa.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, that that was two things I was going to talk about oh, in my that. testimony. Yeah. Two things I was going to talk about in my testimony um, when I was first married, because my first year, we, we have a great relationship, but our, my first year of marriage, I was still like navigating the waters. Does he love me for me? Or mm. do I need to perform and keep his attention? Or is it, am I okay to see who I am? Or do I have to play this role? And so I was kind of doing that little figuring him out thing. And he never gave me any reason to believe otherwise. Mm. And one day um, we were, <laughs> such a silly story. We were, I'm a volleyball player. So I was an athlete. He's basically, he can do anything. His whole family's that athletic. (laughs) breed that can do whatever really well (laughs) from the beginning. So we were like, let's take up racquetball together so we can have something together to do athletically. Because I would play volleyball all night in one side of the gym and he played basketball on the other. We wouldn't see each other. So we're first married. Nothing to do but, you know, be at the gym. Right. So like, let's do racquetball. So we picked up racquetball and I'm a volleyball player. I'm overhand. I'm up here. Racquetball's down here. And my body just did not want to do that. Right. That just was weird to me. So I was not getting it. Of course, he was doing fine. And he said a phrase that my dad used to say all the time. Because mm. he his dad was a coach. They all coach. So he's that, you know, old school tough coach. He's like, come on, Sandra, use your head. And my dad used to say that all the time. Mm. Or use your head for something besides a hat rack. Right. And so I looked at him. I dropped my racket and mm. I walked out. Yeah. And he'd never seen me. I mean, we know we've never, we had never had an interaction like that at that point because he knew my history and he's amazing. His family is like the mm-hmm. ideal family. The dad was like, you know, the neighborhood quarterback for the football outside and stuff. So great family. That was an intentional choice. But um, so I did that and he walked outside and this was one of those mistaken identity things that I wanted to talk about. But he said, he's like, Sandra, you know, I didn't mean anything by that. I did not. I didn't mm-hmm. mean it that way. He's like, please don't be upset with me. I promise I'll never say it again. Mm. And so at that moment, I had to introspect myself and think, am I am I going to be the kind of person that puts on the account of someone else what somebody else did to me? Right. Because he's never given me any indication or sign or did anything that made me feel that way. Right. He said some words that were the same.
2: Mm-hmm. So I
0: had to come to that decision of, I'm not going to lay on his account what someone else did. So that was an identity I had to give up to Mm -hmm. not hold a grudge against him for something he just said Mm -hmm. and see him for who he was. And he was there present with me, encouraging me in a great relationship. And we moved on from that and we just i determined from that point forward to always tell the truth and speak what's in your mind. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, we've been married for 22 years, so that's been helpful. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah it's you know it's the beauty and power of when there's a rupture to have a quick repair, but that so many of us have so much trauma without the the intervention you just did for yourself and that he came to that part as well so you made a conscious decision to to not ask him to live out the pain that your father started right and I think a lot of us don't pause there mm. Mm-hmm. And we play it out and get stuck and then we get sicker, emotionally sicker, physically sicker. And so that's just such a powerful moment between y'all that you made a conscious choice to it to God and to your husband and not to your past.
0: Right. right. And that that can everything spiritual can be correlated physical. So mm-hmm. if you know that your body's having an issue, start start having a diary. When does it flare up? Mm-hmm. When does that thing start to bother mm-hmm. you physically? What was mm-hmm. going on in your life when it happened, and what was going on in your life when I haven't thought about th- that thing in three months? Yeah, you know, that's good. Um, and start making those correlations. And like you said, it comes down to the intention. Mm-hmm. You can't be told you have a frozen shoulder and pray it away. Right. Prayer has its limitations, you know. Mm-hmm. So. We have to, again, so like that decision I made intentionally, if I have frozen shoulder, as frustrating as it is, I'm going to have to now set aside intentional time to work on that thing and help that to heal. I can't, you know, someone comes to see me once a month for a massage. That's not going to fix the frozen shoulder. Going to get an injection every six months is not going to fix that shoulder. Mm -hmm. Going to get STEM or whatever other therapy that are, again, all great right. but they're, they're only a help to the body i have to take ownership that the back of my shoulder is really weak the front of it got super tight and now mm-hmm. the bone is impinged to the joint i have to well, however that got there mm-hmm. i have to now care for that mm-hmm. and that like i said it's a parallel to the psychosomatic side so however our trauma came about of course, we're not responsible for that or to blame for that, but our body will have a biological reaction to it, an expression mm-hmm. of it. We have to deal with that. Right. And that's that's where I come in, helping people. Is let's love on your body because God made it to heal mm-hmm. so quickly. Right. With people that come in my office that are like, I'm I'm ready to heal. I you know they they may have handled everything like they've been with you. And they've Mm -hmm. got it logically placed correctly. Mm -hmm. They place that situation correctly in their mind and heart, but their body hasn't caught up yet and they're ready and they go home. They do all the homework that I say. They make sure they're getting enough protein. They're drinking enough water every day. All those little things matter. They're sleeping Mm -hmm. enough at night and they like take off and have, I had a lady come to me. I saw her three times. She was in her mid thirties and she said, the past 30 years of my life have been horrible. I was like, "Oh." That's, (laughs) That's, <laughs> that's going to be a tough one, but she was ready and willing and present and she has severe migraines mm. and I referred her out to a nutritionist because I knew there were some imbalances just by what she was telling me. We worked on the physical. I taught her all the releases for the neck. And after three visits, she came back to me. She walked in and she was like, I haven't had a headache for three weeks. Wow. I'm like, and I guess so I, I get chill bumps every day. Yeah. Because if we're ready, it's just like when you buy a house, I think like the law says you have to have a ready, willing and able buyer. Right. right. If you're a ready, willing and able body, your body will heal quicker, Mm -hmm. but you Mm -hmm. have to give it what it needs. And that's the journey of the relentless mindset is Mm -hmm. you have to be figuring out what it is that your body needs. Some people Mm -hmm. need more nutrition help. Some people need more physical help and learning that part of yourself is that journey to true, to true health, because I like to always remind people, true health is not the absence of sickness or disease. Asymptomatic does not mean healthy. Mm. True health is the ability of the body to come into contact with sickness, disease, or pain and recover from it. So how long is your recovery period and how exacerbated are your symptoms? Mm. And that time, when you can sustain an injury or sickness or whatever, and that healing timeframe is shorter and symptoms aren't too bad, that means you're healthy because yeah, we can't not come into contact with pain
1: right. and sickness and those things. That's a really, really good point. So I want to throw out a, um, a cranial sacral story and then we'll we'll wrap up with some final questions. So there's a guy named Jeff and it's probably was 15 years ago. And he, uh, he worked at Duke Hospital, incredibly intelligent, and I know this story from him doing presentations and stuff. And he got a bacterial infection in his arm. And now he's at Duke, top medical staff. Everyone's trying to help him. There, It's been a year and a half. He's been in incredible pain. He can't move his arm. And I think they started talking amputation because it, they were scared of it spreading. Like, there was so much going on. And someone said, hey, why don't you do cranial sacral? And he... Was reluctant to do that, but he's in a lot of pain, so he went. He told the practitioner, he said, do I have to believe in this for it to works? He said it would help, but no. And within two sessions, complete healing. Now, if I didn't know him, I probably wouldn't believe the story because it's one of those stories. But it really is like he didn't even believe in it. And that became the thing that completely saved his arm and, and completely got him well in that area. And that is so powerful. And so, please know if you're listening, this like we're not saying we're against Reiki, stem cell, anything. Find what works for you. You have to find what works for you. It's just the idea of not being closed minded when you hear cranial sacral or anything that you pray about it and you decide. But the when my year, clients
0: ask, when my clients ask me, should I try? And they say a thing, I'm like, yep, yep. Unless unless I know it's um, contraindicated for them, or you know, it's like you know a hoax or whatever. Like, yep, try it because everybody's body responds to the, it mm-hmm. responds to stimuli differently. Right. I will never do acupuncture. I can't stand it. I've had two kids and three surgeries. I'm over the needles. But some people, like um, one of my other clients recently, she did a, a complete turnaround. And sh- I think she had an extreme ca- um, load of Epstein-Barr virus. And th- th- mm-hmm. those people have a different feel in their body with their fascia. But she started doing a massage, started doing acupuncture. And I'm telling you, it was like I was touching a different person. Wow. So try all the things. Right. That's the relentless mindset. All the things. Try them all. You yeah. usually need to try them for it more than one time, right. especially when it comes to dietary intervention, because your gut has to have at least 30 days to figure out there's something new going on anyway. Right. But don't just try it once and think, well, it didn't work for me. Because like that first massage, you may be so like what's going on. You couldn't relax. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, try the new thing a couple times, unless it just was, you know, counterproductive, but yeah, I'm, I'm on the same page. Try all the things, all, right. all the things.
1: Cause probably relentless.
0: Mm-hmm. All
1: right. I'm going to put you in the hot seat. I'm going to ask you a few questions and just whatever comes to mind first is your answer. All right. Okay. First word that comes to mind when you hear vulnerability,
0: vulnerability necessary.
1: Ah. Uh. Great answer. It is so necessary well, to get well.
0: And I'll tell you why I say that. Because, again, when I got married, I had I, I had a game plan going into it. I had two rules. You know, obviously, we agreed on all the big things. That right. was the separate thing. I had two rules. Never yell at me. That's a game changer. Mm-hmm. Don't yell at me. I'm not going to yell at you. If it comes in your head, it comes out your mouth. Because that's right. the only way we can fix anything. Yeah. Yeah, And that was great. my two rules.
1: Yeah. And many years later, it's still working. Yeah. That's great. Favorite Bible verse?
0: Um, the safe haven that I brought you to a safe haven. That's from my childhood. Hmm. And um, uh, unto him who is able to give you above all you could ask or think. That was the two verses that I constantly replayed in my mind. I think uh, the second one is push-
1: Ephesians three twenty through 21.
0: Yeah, I think so. Yeah. But And that's, again, that intention that I set as a child. I can have Hmm. everything I could ask or want, and not financially, not materially. I want to always feel safe. Mm -hmm. I want to always feel loved. Obviously, we're going to get on each other's nerves because we're human. Right. But I want to be able to always feel safe. That's not too much to ask.
1: That's right. It's not too much to ask. That's great. Okay, what is on
0: your nightstand? My nightstand has a bunch of books. And a body brush, and a rock salt lamp, and a clicker timer for my fan over my bed. Right. And a diffuser, and a little framed. I think it's a poem my husband gave me when we were dating. Oh, this is sweet. Twenty-four years old. <laughs> yeah.
1: All things I would expect to be by your bed. All things about <laughs> right? being a body All the worker. <laughs> All the things for a body worker is great. Okay. What surprises people the most about you?
0: Um, country <laughs> I lost my accent when I was little I don't know why I didn't intentionally do it but mm-hmm. my family are people from the holler uh, I got. they you. are the moonshine making um, snake handling Virginia to Tennessee Kentucky tri-state area mm-hmm. Cumberland Gap people and no one ever believes me <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's awesome I love it okay what surprises you the most about you
0: Surprises me the best about me. I guess the confidence that I have now to walk into any room. Mm-hmm. And I, get, I explain confidence to people because they, I'm 5'10". And so when mm-hmm. I have heels on, I'm over six foot. So right. it's quite a sight. My daughter's taller than me. So when we walk in together, it's different. So because of my body, I... I already have a kind of a presence, but I did not have what I looked like on the inside until later in life. Yeah. So what I explain confidence as now is it's not because I think I'm anything or any of that. It's Mm -hmm. I'm comfortable in my skin. I'm comfortable with my bad stuff. I'm comfortable with my good stuff. And they're both important because I honestly think our best attribute can sometimes become our worst feature. Mm -hmm. And our worst feature can oftentimes become our best attribute.
1: Right. And God can use it. Absolutely. You know,
0: sometimes I'm too strong. Sometimes I'm too much. Mm -hmm. But I'm also the person that everybody comes to when everything hits the fan because I'm able to handle it. And then, like, sometimes I'll overstep my bounds and interject myself too much. And my husband will go like this. Right. Right. (laughs) I love it.
1: Yeah. Because both are so true. Okay. Favorite binge-worthy show?
0: Binge-worthy show. I don't have a binge-worthy show. A movie that I've seen a gazillion times. P.S. I Love You. Oh, really? Okay. That's cute. Yeah. I'm I'm a romantic at heart. You just would never know. I got you. Okay. What does
1: your playlist reveal about you?
0: My playlist is just like my personality. So I have my massage relaxing playlist, and then I have my gym workout playlist. It's hard and loud.
1: (laughs) All right. Very, very
0: different. There's like nothing in
1: between. All right. Last question. When you hear flip your lid, now what's going to come to mind?
0: Whatever I think about a situation, what is the complete opposite of it? Hmm. And either that or somewhere in between is probably what I need to do.
1: Yeah, that's good. I love that. (laughs) It's been so wonderful to speak with you. And I know the people that heard this are going to be blessed and have... Have a new avenue, have a new place that they can go and learn more about neuroscience and their body and getting well. If they wanted to get in touch with you, can you throw out your Instagram handle, Facebook, whatever else? What? How will we get in touch with you?
0: Instagram is at the Sandra Weber. And only because I'm so boring and I can't think of anything else and I hate numbers. And someone said, put the in front of your name. I'm like, OK, That's great. So it's the Sandra Weber. Yeah, And then Facebook um, page is the Relentless Initiative. Um, so yeah, they can contact me that way. Okay, that's great. Thank you so much. I appreciate your time. Thank you. And thank you for what you do, because you are able to reach people that a lot of times the church mm. ignores, mm. and and they don't give enough grace when they don't look the same or act the same or are at the same level and your ministry is so needed and you're helping so many people and it's, it's just you know people like you are another rule that I have for myself is surround myself with people that are mm-hmm. pressing towards the same thing I am yeah. and so I surround myself with people like you and I watch your stuff on Instagram and Facebook mm-hmm. and that's what is um, feeding my eye gate and my ear gate and my mm-hmm. heart. So that's another thing we have to be conscious of is surrounding ourselves with those people. So thank you for being part of that for me.
1: Well, I appreciate that from above my heart for those words. And I love the eye gate. I think that's so important that we say that. So that all of you that listen today and feel confident you've heard something today that flipped your lid and allowed you to reconnect to who you really are. Thank you all.
0: Thank you for listening to Flip Your Lid with Kim Honeycutt. Please subscribe, rate, and share. You can find Kim on Facebook or Instagram at KBHoneyCut. To get an autographed copy of Kim's book, visit ButYourMotherLovesYou.com. Remember,
2: no matter what, treat yourself well today.